Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Today's episode is also another weird one as I am again without my right arm, Lydia. She is still unwell, so I am sure our listeners will join me in wishing that she gets better soon so that we can all have her back and on today's show. Welcome to another episode in our debut Spotlight series where we shine the light on the freshest authors and put their work firmly on your radar. Today, I'm joined by Centre Rich, author of Hotel 21. Hotel 21 is a sharp, funny, psychologically astute debut about Noelle, a kleptomaniac cleaner moving from hotel to hotel as soon as trouble flickers. On her 21st hotel, she meets colleagues who complicate her plans and leave her wondering whether she can finally hope for more. Centre Rich is a screenwriter and novelist based in Dublin. She began her career as an advertising copywriter, during which time she also wrote radio plays and magazine articles. After leaving advertising, Centre moved into film and TV. Centre has written for major Irish drama series Fair City, amongst other drama and animation series, with an impressive CV featuring the likes of BBC, Amazon Prime, CBBs and other international networks. As well as having a feature film in development, Sensor's debut novel, Hotel 21, was published in the UK on the 27th of April as a lead title for Bloomsbury. And the novel has already been optioned for a major MGM TV series. And I'm so excited to chat with Sensor today. So Sensor, welcome to a pair of bookends. Thank you very much, Hannah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) No, you've got an impressive CV there. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to find out more. <laughs> like, who? Who? Who's she talking about? <laughs> that oh, is you. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if my CV can look like that one day, I will be delighted. <laughs> so <laughs> so to start off with, we like to start off by asking um, what you are currently reading. I am currently reading. I've just started literally last night. I'm a fan by <gasps> Sheik Patel. Oh my goodness. Absolutely love it already. Oh my goodness. I am in and it's right up my street. (laughs) It's so strange. I was literally thinking about an hour ago, I saw somebody else had like tweeted about it and I was like, right, I really need to get this book now. And then you're saying you're reading it. So I'm like, I'm just taking this as a sign that I just need to go and and add it to my never ending book pile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I really, really like it. I've only read a few pages. I don't really care what happens. I just want to read it. Do you know what I mean? It's so great. It sounds um, so good. Yeah, it's very um, original and it's first person and she's um, an obsessive. So I, I love it. Love that. Away. And it's yeah. all about like social media and... Yeah, like which it. I don't really have any, you know, I don't do it. I'm not on social media. And Have you uh, never done social media? No. Oh, really? Not, really weird, isn't it? And I've been asked a few times, so where can people contact you? And I'm like, yeah, nowhere. <laughs> um, so it just kind of, I never did it. And then it just, then I never did it. And then I never did it. And now I've got a debut novel out. I think it's the wrong time to do it. So I was at an event last week, a lunch, like a literary thing. And I was just giving people my email. <laughs> my publisher said, look, it might be a good idea to get a website so people can contact you. So yeah. I'm doing that. And that's going to be up because I would love to be in touch with readers. Yeah, uh, That's why I was giving out my email. I was just because it's really easy. I was just going, it's this, it's this, it's this. You'll it's regret this. that. <laughs> 
will. Like, yeah, maybe. But they were people who loved books and they were writers. And so, you know. Oh, amazing. And I felt bad that I didn't have like a hashtag, whatever. <laughs> well, I've definitely seen plenty of your reviews, reviews of your book on social media. People so... are sending them to me, which is really nice. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. But like, yeah. I mean, that's, I can't believe that you've like never had it. Like you've just had a, a real life for your, for your well, I don't know. I, <laughs> What's I don't, that like? <laughs> I'm not against it at all. I think it's great. Like yeah. it's not a, it's not a thing where I'm like attending to social media. I just kind of just missed it. You know, I kind of missed the Facebook thing. And now when I talk to friends of mine who are really brilliant on, on um, social media, they're really good at how to handle it and how to manage it and my son is 19 and he he's in charge of how he uses it you know and they're all Mm. these kind of knowledge and I just now I feel really ill-equipped I think that's kind of it I feel like I would just go on and I don't know I would just go ah yeah so uh, you know anyway I I don't even have a fake account you know (laughs) Being told you can get a fake account, you can get a fake account. <laughs> and the other thing, another writer who's really successful, she told me she's brilliant on social media. And she said, you you need to spend two hours a day doing social media. Um. And because to get to get your book going, she said you yeah. have to do this and do that. And I went, I'm having a panic attack. I'm getting hot even thinking about it. I was, oh no. I was like, no. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't think that it's amazing and other people shouldn't use it. Like but yeah. it is very daunting, especially if you've not had it. Like, and I've, you have a debut novel out, you know. Yeah, think yeah. It's the wrong time, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. also it's like this. I don't drink. I gave up drinking at 30, 31. and I, and on the night of the book launch, I was really, really nervous. And I said to a friend of mine, "God, I really feel like a drink." And he said, mm. "If you were going to go back to drinking, now is not the time to have no. it." <laughs> <laughs> definitely not (laughs) so yeah you just I just missed the boat you know but I think I think that's really cool that you've you've never had it and your book is still doing really well you know even though you're not doing this like social media campaign yourself you know it's I've I've still seen it everywhere so so it's it's clearly still it's clearly working you know (laughs) it's popping up yeah it's popping up people, a lot of people have read it a lot of people are loving it so oh, I uh and you're not even having to do anything on social media for it so, well, <laughs> so I am gonna have a website. I'm gonna have a website oh Amazing. I am on LinkedIn but no one uses that yeah it's a weird one LinkedIn I don't know how I feel about it I don't even have a profile and I think Three three people a month will look me up, and they're nothing to do with my business or anything. They work in engineering and software companies. And like, <laughs> they just somehow found you. <laughs> yeah, well, I must have come up on some search or something. Yeah, I so, love yeah. it. So, because this is our debut spotlight series, we like to start off by asking debut authors what their journey has been like into having their debut published. Could you tell us a bit more about your experience? Yeah, so I am a TV and screenwriter, so I'd never thought about writing a book. It had never been on my list of anything. And I love reading, but I just hadn't, just never occurred to to me to do that. And then I was in Portugal, in Lisbon, and I was staying in a small hotel. And I didn't leave my room until after lunch. And I accidentally annoyed the cleaner. She was standing <laughs> outside with her arms crossed, like giving me a dirty look. 
And I went, what's that for? And I went, oh, my God, she's been waiting to clean my room because she'd knocked a couple of times. And we, and I'd said, yeah, is it OK if you come back later? But it was a small place. So it was probably her last room. So I felt really bad that I'd been so clueless. And when I came back later on that evening, my hairbrush was missing. And I immediately thought, no, no, I don't think she took it now. <laughs> but at the time, I thought she'd taken it as like a revenge lift to kind of get back at me for ruining her day so I went off into this fantasy like I had dripping wet hair and I was I looked at myself in in the mirror and I went oh she took my hairbrush and I was like <laughs> I was like who is this woman this is amazing <laughs> only take kind of small things from people or is it only ever a hairbrush and I was really you know thinking about her and and then I immediately went I love this character I could feel her if you know what I mean I had a sense of her this idea that you know she rummages around and you know takes a few things and then I immediately went to TV and film because that's my first sort of port of call and I don't know it wasn't really happening I was just kept thinking about her and being her and everything and then I thought you know she had some control over me mm. that day you know she kind of stuffed up my night you know and um well I thought she did I don't think she took it now I really <laughs> want to say that I don't think cleaners take things and I thought maybe she was trying to get some control back in her own life and I got I started thinking about you know the dopamine fix how we all need that every day we need a dopamine fix and we all have to make a decision or we have habits where we get it from and I thought this is where she gets her dopamine fix from you know and I thought about it more and more so from the hairbrush being taken to two days later I wrote the first four four thousand words and wow. yeah I just I'm a pen and paper writer I always write in a bit of a frenzy and I typed it up straight away because we were still away and I gave it to my son who was 16 then and I said just read the first page because I have to type it up straight away or I won't be able to read it you know <laughs> So I said, just read the first page. That's all you have to do. And I thought, if he reads the whole thing, I might have something because he's like, oh, God, OK, I'll read. <laughs> and he is very generous. But, you know, we were on holiday and, and stuff. And I, I was making him sit down in front of my laptop <laughs> and he read all of it. And I thought wow. well, something and he went, I think you should keep writing that, mum. So I did. I kept writing. It took me nine months to get a first draft. Now, I was aiming for a short book because at the same time I lost the hairbrush, I'd read a short book Japanese novel and it was just a moment in time and I thought I could do that a moment in time so she's starting this job where everything there's an opportunity to change mm. where she her her ordered life will be challenged and will she take it so that was my rough thing and I thought I can do that in a short book so I was aiming for 45,000 words because I sort of thought I can do that I won't bore anyone and it ended up being 65,000 and then the first thing I sent it to an agent Marianne Gunn-O'Connor who is in Ireland with a little pitch and they asked for the first 25,000 words and then I waited again oh actually no there was another bit to it I don't know whether this is boring Hannah but there was another no, bit not at all I love it, it to, I sent it to a different publisher first to um an agent first I had a an agent in London for screenwriting who really wasn't helping me very much but I got in touch with with him and I wasn't sure what the protocol was and I said I'm sending this book out and he had an agent that he shared some of his script writing clients with and she did their books so 
he said he put me in touch with her I got in touch with her she said send the whole thing so I sent the whole thing and I waited I never heard I never heard I never heard I waited and waited I sent her an email saying listen there's no pressure I'm just checking did you even get it which always is the you know yeah. but I really was wondering didn't get back to me didn't get back to me so finally it was about three months and I went I can't do this I need to send yeah. it down so I told this other guy this agent who's no longer my agent I'm going to do this with I'm going to do this here in Ireland because you know this is just it's really not working so I emailed Marianne and she asked for the first section of the book and then they came back to me and asked for the the rest of it and then she sent me she sent me an email and said I I really like this blah 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 and I want to consider it but there's a few things you have to do add 20,000 words it's just too short change the ending it was a little bit bleak and the other thing she wanted me to do was take out uh, I'd written it as a continuous stream of consciousness. So it's exactly the way that it is now, but I had to change the layout. Right. So I had to put the dialogue on different lines. So some of it, you can still see it's continuous stream, but then I had to write it. She said, you're going to have to lift it out and put it, you know, write it like a proper book. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And adding the 20,000 words was fantastic because I went, she wants to read more. That's great because mm. I was... So I wrote and then I ended up writing more when I worked with publishers. She sent it out very quickly. Then I did those changes in maybe four or five weeks. And then she sent it out and Bloomsbury came in very early with a preempt deal. And I spoke to M Emma Herdman in Bloomsbury. And within five minutes, I was like, oh my God, I love her. I was oh. just it was really, really amazing. And I was thinking, are all publishers like this? I mean, I've no idea. But <laughs> but it was really great to work with her. And then she wanted more of stuff. So I put more in. I had to take some stuff out. And so it was just a kind of, you know, an editing job then, you know, working with it. But I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing that. And when it was over, I really missed it. And I missed the characters. And I really I was really felt a little bit bereft. I miss the but characters. <laughs> <laughs> so no idea how you feel when you, you spent so I long felt, with them. <laughs> and I did feel a bit, I felt a bit, I felt a bit lost. So it was, yeah, I really, yeah. So it's been a different kind of writing experience for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean. It wasn't it planned. Yeah, it wasn't planned. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's so frustrating because you only seem to hear from people kind of pave their way into like creative industries of them having to play like such a huge waiting game and for their work to be sort of treated as like I don't know how to describe it but it's just like like mainly doing our actors and you know the amount of times that you get rejections is is fine you know you at least get get an, a no but it's it's the people that don't reply at all and yeah. that well, really I, frustrates me <laughs> I don't think that my gut feeling is that something was wrong right yeah I don't think this person was rude or right, just okay. ghosting me. See, I do know that term. <laughs> I, I honestly think that something must have happened or it was really strange. But no, you're right. And I do think the world of TV and film is very similar to the world of acting. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, my experience in publishing world has been positive but in mm -hmm. tv and film you know that it's near misses all the time and rejection all the time and it's nothing personal it's just mm. the way the business is yeah so you you know a long time ago i said i'm allowed one day to lick my wounds 
Mm. And allow it to get up and get at it because it's a real waste of time. Yeah. Wallow and list, let yourself get in a negative thinking loop. Yeah, because once you do, you can't you can't put it's so hard to pull yourself back out of, isn't it? Because so you, you see, you have to tell yourself, I will pull myself out mm. of this at some point. Am I gonna do it now or am I gonna do it in six months? Well, just do it now. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, and just get on with it because you never know when someone's gonna pick something up. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got a very short space of time to get it finished and get stuff done and then suddenly you're working really hard and you know and then it's done so but yeah it's really tough it's been it's been tough in in tv and film yeah I mean we're seeing that with the writers strikes in America at the moment aren't we so we can see just how how tough it's been so you know solidarity with them Um, but I mean you were then picked up by essentially one of the biggest publishing houses and you know you were their lead title so it's like that's incredible you know it was definitely worth the wait for you it was all a it was that happened when I found out I was one of their four I was like really and then there was marketing plans I was like really because it was all very you know I don't expect that (laughs) I was still getting over having an agent you know when all that was going you know so yeah it was uh it's it's been really great and I'm really happy for the book and I'm so happy that it's out there now and it's being read and and I can share it that's really funny feeling because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel now I obviously Mm. have stuff I write on television and stuff but I write for a show you know I'm part of a team and I'm one of the writers I'm not you know the original person that came up with the idea so I can see my work but this was just something that I wrote that I can now share with people and just it's it's a really warm fuzzy feeling mm. which I wasn't I wasn't expecting that I thought I'd be terrified but I'm actually really like oh I'm so happy what are the differences like between obviously this is like your baby this is you know yours that you've created but like you said you've you're part of a writing team on a tv show what are the kind of differences in you know like the notes you're given and how you take things in sort of the challenges you might face um what are the differences between writing as part of a team and then writing this book yeah what are the well, differences for you yeah yeah no it's a really good question so I think with the book I still felt like I, it was a bit of a team because mm-hmm. I had notes from my agent so she has helped and then um my editor and then I've had friends that have read it you know giving me feedback so I'm very open to that so the note giving on the publishing side is really lovely so there's this thing, you know, in screenwriting, they're the people who know how to give notes and the people that mm-hmm. don't, right? One of the funniest <laughs> notes, although it wasn't funny at, at the time, was someone had just written on a scene, no, the word no at the bottom, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> it's like, no, is that no to me? You know, it was, that's probably the worst no. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well. I was able to ring up and have a chat with an editor, you know, and find out what that meant. But, you know, or you get something like take another pass and you're like, but, you know, it's it's hard, but it's fine as well, because it's a really busy sort of business. You don't Mm. have time. Your job as a writer is to be it's just to do the notes, get it right, do it really, really well. And you'll get more work if you don't. You won't. Right. So that was very different to working with with the book where people absolutely love it are working with you to make it as good as they can it's very different I'm sure 
if I had my own no I don't actually think this I don't know why I'm going to say that but let's say <laughs> I was having a tv show and it was my own and I was you know I'd still have lots of people to listen to and work with you know it's always going to be a collaboration now I really want to get into Hotel 21 now because I have lots of questions for you so apologies in advance so obviously you've spoken about your experience in in the Lisbon hotel that, that yeah. sparked the idea but I also read that you you spoke to uh, various cleaners during your research of the book could you yeah. tell us a bit more about that research and and yeah, kinds I mean, of people you spoke it to wasn't an extensive kind of research it was a few cleaners maybe five some of them had worked in in private houses others had worked in ho- hotels and what I wanted just to hear about were just what it's like to be a cleaner I didn't ask them if anyone had ever stolen stuff but I did kind of ask has, has there ever been any problems and that's where I got the going home bag checkout thing someone said that they worked in this place where the cleaners with there was a cleaner who was taking things from the hotel right so probably I don't know what maybe um some cutlery or cleaning products or something but not from from the guests and then I heard you know and I found out about the red and blue cloths and how the different cloths different colors and there was one time I was speaking to I was checking out about food like do they get fed you know yeah. in different places so in some places you might get a sandwich in other places you don't get anything and I asked about the five star and they said oh in five stars you have a canteen for the cleaners and the working staff and the food comes down it's it's nice food and everyone can eat and it's there all day it's in trays and I went oh my god so I had to go back upstairs and write the canteen I was like there's a canteen <laughs> magnolia it has a canteen yeah uh, so just things like that and just things like you know um how hard they work how much they respect their guests and how they really love not maybe not love but they take it very seriously that mm. that they do a really good job really matters that they leave everything perfectly and the pride for that you know so that was really yeah it was really good but a lot of what I wrote was kind of based on my own my own time working as a waitress in big places where I'd go in through a service door at the back of you know you go in and there's a staff room and also I've always really like I don't go away loads or anything but whenever I do, I'm always aware of the cleaners. I'm always mm. wondering. I've always been, you know, they're always so nice. Yeah, yeah. And they go in and I'm always, you know, you always think, all oh, the cleaners coming in, I better tidy up, you know. <laughs> you know, you don't want to leave the place in a mess. But then but then you hear these horrible stories about people messing up their room, mm. doing gross things and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I like stuff that is behind the scenes, you know. Yes, uh, me too. And yeah. uh, me and my sisters, we've all been waitresses and mm-hmm. I worked in hospitality for like 11 years. And the stuff that you see, I mean, I so this was like amazing for me to read because I'm the same as you, you know, I really like sort of behind the scenes stuff or like service workers and stuff. And I think especially with cleaners, I mean, I felt it a little bit as a waitress, but it's definitely nowhere near as bad as it is with cleaners. I feel like cleaners, there's um, a massive amount of disrespect towards them. And like you said, because you've probably, because you've worked as a waitress, you know, you don't see them in that way. And it's the same for me, but people that haven't worked in those jobs, you know, there's definitely a sense of disrespect and like, you know, they see them as like beneath them. And that's what I loved well, so much awful that's just yeah awful. no is. one's beneath anybody no 
and, definitely and, not. And that's just, and yeah, and I think you're right. You know, there's a lot of shitty jobs being a waitress. Mm. I mean, I worked in a pizza place once and the toilets were leaking and I had to go in and mop it up every 20 minutes. I didn't think twice about it. It was like, it's what I have to do because yeah. the customers yeah. come in here, you know, yeah. there's water everywhere. So, I mean, you know, you do do cleaning, you clean mm-hmm. down. I've worked in, um, thank God it's Fridays, TGI yeah. Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked there and you have to clean down the kitchens at night, you know. Yeah. So I did feel like I wasn't completely alien to what it would be like to be a hotel cleaner. And I reckon I would have been quite a good one, hotel <laughs> cleaner. I think I would have taken pride and I think I would have been like, how can I make this look really nice? But that's what I loved about I loved about the characters is that they they did take pride and you know a job that people might turn their nose up at like they took immense pride in it and they they really cared about like everything being perfect and they they had their time that they were like okay we have to get this done within this specific amount of time and we need to do this like this and you know they, they did take pride in it and I think it just gives I really hope somebody that might look at cleaners in a more disrespectful way might read this book and go oh right okay yeah I've I've really not given them the time of day here and you know they might rethink well, yeah. the way that they've treated people in the past I don't know I, I just people think in be... general I mean someone who thinks like that it's not just cleaners that, that they're looking down on it's, yeah it's lots yeah. of people so you know sod them like. <laughs> yes <laughs> just... <laughs> most people are very respectful that's yeah yeah that's what I think most yeah. of them maybe in the really really fancy places you mm. might get people who are like who feel very special and they're very rich and maybe you know yeah. they might behave like that but I really hope not yeah I think I just had experience bad experiences in hospitality and, no, and no, being treated it is, like it <laughs> clicks at you yeah oh the clicks hate it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. now we've we've touched a little bit on uh, your characters but your novel is a uh, populated by uh, an incredibly vivid, diverse cast of characters, each with their own nuances and complexities. And they're just they're just so well written. I loved them and really, really miss them. And it's definitely a book that I know I'll return to just to spend time with these with these women again. Was there a particular inspiration for them? Was it the cleaners that you spoke to or like, you know, how what inspired these characters? Right. So I haven't spoken about this previously, Hannah. OK, so it's exclusive. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's exclusive because, well, I don't think I have. But this is honestly how they came to be in being, to come into the novel. And so when I was writing the book, I knew that Noelle was going to meet somebody or something would happen at this in this particular job. Hotel 21 was going to be the place where something happened. And we'd already I'd, I'd already set it up that she was starting to feel like her life wasn't really going to be able to carry on the way it was because she was starting mm. to get exhausted she wasn't really aware of it but she was you know so we kind of know she's kind of a little bit she doesn't really want to keep moving around but she knows that she has to rather than being like thrilled about it you know she's just having a little bit of it but she thought the hotel 20 had kind of really knackered her out which it probably did so maybe she recovered so I knew this so I knew that when she went down so I put the staff room downstairs in the basement and one of the cleaners said to me probably wouldn't be 
down there. But I said it has to be down there because Noelle is going down into her own like subconscious. And I had to go down with her and we had to go through the corridors and we had to get into the staff room. And I'm like, and I'm with her and I'm going, who are they going to be? Who's going to turn up? What's going to happen? So that she meets Julia, which is really, really matters that we are, that we understand how she works and all that kind of stuff. But all the time I'm thinking, these women are going to turn up this this person whoever it is is going to turn up who's it going to be who's it going to be so then she's back in the staff room and I'm going who's it going to be I don't know at this point <laughs> I don't know at this point and then the first person she meets very quickly is Marley and then there's a whole thing about who's on floor seven and she doesn't want to be stuck with Julia so there's lots of kind of stuff going on and it's busy and all the other women have arrived and all this kind of stuff and I'm thinking okay so there's Marley now, Marley, later on dur- during the edit, I put her in there earlier, but she had appeared and I knew she was just really feisty, really funny, really spiky and very, very passionate. Mm. And she's kind of a part of Noelle, right? Yeah. And she's yeah. also part of me. And then and then in comes Gabby and Gabby's the kind of wobbly one. You know, she's she's got problems at home and and we know that there's that there's something sort of going on. But she's terribly sweet. She's very nice. She's very loving. And then Rose comes in, who's full of sharp one liners. She's a little bit older, but again, she's very warm and she's trying to read the handshakes and she's getting on really well with these three. She's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is great. This is really easy. And then there's. Then I was going, who is this person that's going to cause a problem? Who is Mm. it? And I I had no idea how that story was going to go. Wow. I don't know whether it's okay to give spoilers. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. But I didn't know. And then she's like, and here's Phil. And I just knew that I needed an androgynous name. Yeah. I, I just had a feeling that the energy that this character was going to have would be very, very vibrant and very sexual mm. and, and very feminine, like super, super charged. So she sees her and she's not really turning around and she's like all sort of like, yeah, whatever. But her hair falls and, and it's all sort of the way that she's seeing her. It's like mm. almost a projection, you know, yeah. of what it is to be this, high, you know, very sexual feminine being. Mm. And that's how she sees her. So she came and she is the one who immediately goes, what's your story? What's all this about? I don't buy any of it. You know, mm. and she's thrown, completely thrown, A, because she's looking at this woman going, wow. Yeah. And she's trying to understand the energy she has mm. and the force it has upon her. And at the same time, she's trying to manage which Noel should I be, but she's totally thrown. And then they go yeah. to the lift and then, then we hear how close they are and the banter and she's suddenly completely out of her comfort zone. Yeah. And that was the... I really hope that answers the question because that's as truthful as I could no, say. No, it definitely does. And it I also, think... Sorry. No, go on, go on. It was also the same, you know, Freddie, when Freddie yes. turned up. So I knew Noelle was going to turn up with somebody. I didn't know who it was, who it was going to be. And that preparation scene, and then she's going down the stairs and it's all putting the sock in the door. That that was me going, who is it going to be? Mm. Who is it going to be? Let's go down the stairs. Where are we? What's, you know, trying to I'm conjuring up the scene. And when we open the door, there she is. Yeah. And it was day. And there was Freddie. And I just wrote Freddie. And I was so pleased that Freddie was great. 
because I think he's one of the very few male figures and I just thought that was a healthy sign yeah (laughs) it was quite healthy that I had this this really he's he's very special important part of the book and we don't Mm. see very much and I was asked to put him in more but it was very difficult because yeah He's not part, really part of Noelle's story, her point of view, you know. Yeah, and the the friendships that blossom out of her going to this 21st hotel is is so amazing. And I think, like you just spoke about with that moment when she first meets Phil, it's like she's she's kind of gone about her life and been able to jump from job to job, being quite invisible and keeping herself so very private. And, you know, she's, she's kind of protected herself. She's put this, like, armor on and she's, she's kind of hidden herself away from people and just took off when you know things have got a little bit too personal or you know there's people have kind of cottoned onto something about her she's just kind of run away from it and I think this is the first time where she really feels seen and it's it's these people that she meets that they see her and she doesn't know what to do with that and I was about to say something else then I was like Hannah don't give any spoilers yeah 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 no I know I know kind of hard but it's It's so difficult it's also a story about who who is she so Mm. it's not which noel is she going to be now the real question is who is she yeah she doesn't really know and this is the first time she's shaken up wake you know woken up to think about that because she's out of her comfort zone she's kind of being herself Mm. without realizing because women are so full on and she doesn't really have she doesn't really have a chance yeah and I think one of her coping mechanisms for like past trauma is definitely the the taking things and you know the fact that they are like small insignificant things that she takes it is just that like that's her coping mechanism to get through her day to day is the thing that she you know feels pulled to do yeah. and it's it's actually an incredibly underrepresented condition uh, which you've obviously brought to the forefront and it's cut so it's kleptomania that that Noelle struggles with um it's a condition that I know very little about yeah well she's not actually <laughs> no you're right but she's not actually a kleptomaniac because well she, she takes small things right so it is it is she is she is right. yeah she's not in the normal sense of the word because normal uh, well not normal but when people are taking things you know they steal from shops they take cashmere jumpers they valuable things now they might not use them or sell them on but they want it's normally valuable things or something that they want Mm. uh, you know uh, so hers was more as you said a response to trauma so yeah. when she is, she's been in um, su- survival mode since she mm-hmm. was very small. And this was the one thing that gave her a bit of a buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she clearly says, if if I hadn't found this, I don't know what I would have done. And that's quite, that's quite worrying for her. So I think that is the buy-in for the character. It certainly was for, for me. Yeah. There was part of me wanted to make sure that she could keep taking things. And if she wasn't going to take things, something needed to um, replace that. Yeah. And then she finds herself in no man's land. Yeah. You know, you know, she's very confused for a while. And we are we are talking about, you know, like uh, her trauma and her coping mechanisms. And, you know, there are definitely like dark elements to the book. But I think what you do so well is is finding like the perfect balance between light and dark, because there are some like really funny moments in the book and like comic relief and 
And like I said before, there are these like really light female friendships that are full of banter and uh, are really great. And, you know, the the way that they perceive certain guests and they talk about having to like clean up shit off the bathroom floor and, you know, all these things, you know, you I, I just think it's amazing that you you managed to strike this balance when she has had such a traumatic past. Yeah. But you found yeah. these really lovely moments. And I think that's what makes the book so readable. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. I think for me, I was writing something that I would want to read. And I'm yeah. sure that's the same for all writers. So I don't like to get too dark. Now, I know it is mm. quite dark in places, but it's always told from her point of view. So yeah. you kind of feel a bit safe with her because she's not really aware of how lonely she is or how or how wrong her situation is. And she's she's naturally very good at reading people but she's also learnt to use that as a skill to survive but she's not really aware of that and then the the humour for me is really really matters that we can make it we we can find the humour in the dark and the dark in in the humour because I think that's where the balance is and I would never want to get too dark so yeah I'm just not really like that but then I have been told it's very dark (laughs) no but it's it's rightfully dark in places and and that's something that I wanted to speak to you about because we've we've mentioned on the podcast before that me and Lydia love reading about mother-daughter dynamics I think they are they're such a obviously such an important relationship but they can be so complex and nuanced and yeah it's just it's a relationship that I'm very much drawn to reading about and Noelle's relationship with her mother is obviously quite turbulent it's it's been very chaotic you know she's endured emotional and physical abuse at the the hands of her mother and that's essentially what she's been running away from she doesn't want to have to kind of process that trauma that she's experienced what did you kind of want to explore through their dynamic and and sort of the lasting impact that has on Noel. Yeah, I think it's a really good question and the answer is this and it is that what you know I was exploring at the end of the book and during it as well what does it mean to be a good person? So she she really has no ability to love, right? The mother quite damaged. Yeah. yeah. And you know, cruel as well in a kind of kind of like a not even in um an obvious way, you know, her most cruel time when she was just you know she just say the odd thing that was just really painful but Noelle knew that she was just saying these things I think that yeah. also helped us with the darkness mm-hmm. that she she knew she was lying about certain things and and stuff like that but it's really about what does it mean to be a good person because she shows certain moments where a gap will open and the mother shows some kind of humanity right she shows a little bit of caring nature you know towel drying her hair she sticks up for her that time there's the laugh there's the, these little the, things the vending machine she says yeah, Snickers or Mars bar that killed me that moment yeah, <laughs> and the whole time she's thinking where are my exits how am I going to yeah. get out of here yeah so, so that so at the end you know to her her journey about that is does it matter mm-hmm. like it doesn't add up to anything she was trying to find did her mother love her at all Did she have any little bit of love for her? And what she decides is even if she did, Mm -hmm. it wasn't significant. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And you're right. There is a really funny thing about maybe it's just daughters and mothers. Yeah, maybe. But you 
you will hang on for dear life you mm-hmm. want to be loved you want it to be okay even if yeah. it's toxic and I think yeah you just really you're you're hoping that she's just hoping is there some way that I could forgive her maybe and mm. she she can't really yeah. and that's and that's actually a release for her that mm. helps her that's part of her journey to move on I think um another thing that I found really interesting about about Noelle and her mother is the and I don't know if this was intentional at all, but is class and the the social class that they seem to be from, it seems to be like lower working class. And I definitely think that whole relationship and their kind of class identity influences so much of, of Noelle's future. You know, we have her in a future with her flat and kind of worrying about Phil's first impressions of the flat and the fact that she she goes out before having friends around for dinner and goes and buys all the herbs and spices and like tips some of them out of each thing. And I just think like so much of it has stemmed from that relationship with her mother and what the, what her upbringing must have been like and how her mum must have felt in terms of like self-esteem around her class and, and how that's influenced her own perceptions of herself. And I was just kind of curious, like whether that was actually intentional or not with their class, or whether that was something that you just kind of wrote organically an intentional thing I wasn't intentionally writing about class and I think when it comes to her flat hasn't got much respect for herself without realizing it that she lives in these absolute dumps Mm. and think about it but when Phil is due to come around she never had anyone around to any of her flats before Mm. she's suddenly looking at it and wondering will I be judged yeah so maybe you know because she wants things to be nice yeah and maybe it does I mean her her mother made the house look nice when the social worker was coming around yes you know when she had a disgusting carpet in in her flat but I don't know whether any of that really bothered her you know because you know it, it wasn't that she was embarrassed of her flat it was suddenly she was looking at it and wanted to impress someone but you're yeah. right I mean I don't really like, you know, talking about class like that or saying, you know, she's this or she's that. But you're right. I think Phil's probably, you know, she's educated. She's been to college. Her granny gave her a flat. You know, she's a little bit. But they're equals. They're all equals. And they never complain about being cleaners. They never look at themselves and wonder where they are in Mm. life or where their pecking order is. They don't feel like anyone looks looks down upon them mm. um, they're not they're they're feisty strong and and sure of themselves you know mm. um, I think yeah. it's because um me and Lydia are both from working class backgrounds and we yeah we we are kind of drawn to themes of class so yeah, um... well, I'm really pleased that <laughs> that that you saw that because yeah. um it wouldn't have been my you know the reason for writing it like that but I'm obviously drawn to those sorts of stories as well I mean Mm. I wasn't going to write about you know because I have this thing like you don't have to be in a position of power or super rich super talented and all these amazing things and you know degrees coming out of your ass and everything to be (laughs) exceptional to be an exceptional person you know and they are really amazing women, right? Mm. I mean, I think they're awesome. I love them. And I think that's great. And, it, you, you know, so they're not there. Yeah, I mean, Marley is obviously wants to be a manager and she so will be. Yeah. So she definitely, I'm sure we all know she's going to make it because when someone is that 
sure you know they're definitely going to make it and rose will just be there going i'm not working for you mate (laughs) see you later (laughs) and i'm sure that phil will go on and do something else but they're always going to be friends like they're friends for life they're friend you know they're so close and they bonded and they brought her in really quickly mainly because of marley who just thinks everybody should be you know feel super happy all the time and she gets really annoyed and frustrated when things aren't going well yes you know she she really holds the group you know she's probably the kingpin of that group definitely definitely now I want to squeeze in a quote um because this quote just really stuck with me and I'm sorry I'm gonna be that person that reads your own book back to you (laughs) But I just loved this moment and I wanted to give our listeners a sort of a taste for your book so they can all go and order it and read it for themselves, which I highly encourage that they do. So, my hand wanders under my bathrobe and down towards the mound of pubic hair, but I quickly move it away. Whatever this sensation is, it's not something I'm used to or have control over. It feels like a spark that, if ignited, will burn the house down. That is just so well written and just of course she sees it as a as a means of control like that's a huge part of her identity is about control and having control and and just the fact that it links to her sort of sexuality and I think you know as the narrative progresses we we see Noelle discovering her her sexuality her her sexual identity and sort of the struggles that she has with that and I don't think I've really kind of seen a, a sort of fear of sexuality represented before. I, and I don't mean in, in the sense of LGBTQ identity. I don't mean that. I mean, in a like literal fear of the act itself. I, I would love to ask and squeeze this question in. What inspired that exploration? Well, because, <laughs> well, it's a very good question. I mean, what happened was when Phil appeared... When Philip appeared and I knew this energy, I knew, I kind of knew I'm going to be going on this journey and mm. let's see what happens. And the other reason, because the um, initiation for her is very, you know, she's 26. She never had sex, never had an orgasm. Well, she had yeah. sex with a guy, but it wasn't really yeah. sex. It was more mm. like a, an act of God knows what. But anyway, so she needs, this has to be part of her awakening. It, you know, it felt like it really, really um, mattered that yeah. that and so when she's feeling herself waking up and they're very strong feelings that she Mm. has fantasies first she doesn't know what they are but her whole body's alive so that when she finally something does happen it's like like it's electrifying for her right and it's like what is this Mm. thing but it's all mixed up with you know someone showing her some attention someone someone is very um sexual and strong and she's just really really drawn to her and I think as well I knew that it needed to be somebody couldn't be a guy because Mm -hmm. it really didn't feel right she's got no experience of men yeah and she's looking for the love of a woman like she's Noel which is no woman Mm -hmm. and she's really looking for that kind of a connection deep one to a woman and I think very much so she felt, and for me writing it, I felt safe with Phil. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, you're not going to do what happens in, in the book with a guy. You might be afraid for her, mm-hmm. which she's dragged into a cubicle uh, with someone she doesn't know very well. I might, you know, I might have felt a bit afraid for her, but it was all yeah. 
it was safe. I felt like she was safe with Phil. And that really, yeah, that really mattered. Now, I have to be honest, when I got to writing that bit, I kind of stopped writing for a bit. I was a bit like, yeah, I was like, you know, it felt really natural and good. And I wanted this to happen. But I was thinking, you know, should I, you know, can I do this? Mm. You know, and my best friend from England, he came over, he's a gay guy. And I gave him the book to read. I said, can you just read this to me? It's something that I'm writing. And he went, yeah, sure. And he disappeared. He didn't come out of his room. And I was like, what are you doing? I haven't seen you for two years. He went, I'm reading your book. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he finally came out and I went, so what do you think? He goes, I think it's great. A really lovely story. And I went, yeah, and, and. He was like, and what? I said, what about the Phil stuff? He went, so what? Yeah. And I went, great, fine. That was all I needed, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was because I wanted it to feel like it was it wasn't a but you know it was just natural and it just yeah. came from character it just came from character and and it was kind of it wasn't a, a decision I made at the beginning of writing the book yeah no it, it definitely just, it definitely feels organic and just from reading that quote I'm sure our listeners all know that it, it 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 sort of your words jump off the page you know it's these moments with Phil are so like electric mm-hmm. and vivid and you know as soon as she meets her this is going to go somewhere, you know, there's just, just that instant connection and that instant energy. Yeah, it's and it's very exciting. It's very yes. exciting. And it was very exciting to read. So well, sorry, sorry. I, I sound like I'm talking my own book up. I'm, I'm not, I'm just no, saying you... I was really excited. Please do. Yeah, I was, you know, just felt right. And yeah. it felt fresh and it felt like it was going to be complicated and, and it was part of her journey because I, I felt like it was, oh, I don't know. I felt like I was just with her all the time. Mm-hmm. And like with Freddie, I was like, so who's going to be at the door, Noel? We have to go and have a look. And it was kind of <laughs> like that. And so I, I was always with her. It was, real, it was a real pleasure to write. And I do, I, I still think about her now and I, I well up and I worry about her a bit, you know. And <laughs> I love so. that. And you can tell how connected you are to to your characters you know that absolutely comes through and I think that's why they're so lovable because you love them <laughs> um, and they are all part of me they're all part yes, of me I yeah. think that's the same for all writers I think that they all say they're all parts of me and everything I think that's that's quite normal to to say that so I don't feel strange saying it <laughs> definitely not strange but there's a Gabby in me and a Noel in me and a Phil in me and you know and it was just lovely to have them there and to hang out with them. And when Bloomsbury said we'd like more of the hotel, more of the women, I was like, oh, great. You know, I can't wait to do that. Yeah. No, it was, it was wonderful. And I think that's a lovely note for us to end on because we've, we've hit time. (laughs) I love talking to you, Hannah. I'm pretty sure I've rambled. Uh... No, this has been amazing and I've loved every moment of it. So thank you so much. And I, loved every moment of your book and I I, you know I don't just say that I genuinely mean it and I really hope this conversation encourages our listeners to pick up your book because I have no doubt that they will enjoy it too and final question for you I know you've just brought a debut novel out but what's next for you well my my publisher very smartly told me to have my so I had a two book deal with them because ah. I pitched the second book thing uh, very badly. I pitched it, but she said, great. <laughs> so I got a two book deal and she said, it's a very good idea to have the first draft mm-hmm. of your book to finished before you publish your first book. So I wow. did that. So I've just had my first kind of sweeping notes. So I'm going to be working on that. 
and I'm it's not it's not a sequel <laughs> obviously <laughs> there is no hotel 22 <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll tell you about it is is there's okay. a restaurant there is a restaurant in not not it's not a big it's not the the it's just part of it but there is a restaurant <laughs> yeah and I tell you it was great to go back there you know I can imagine um, but it's only part of it it's not it's not that's not what it's about uh and I'm also I'm still working I have a screenwriting partner we're still working on tv pilots and we're trying to finish a movie and then I spend the other half of my time will be in paid script writing work yeah mm-hmm. like I, yeah, yeah so I, I'm going back to normal which is working basically I just write nine a uh, nine to five or sometimes I'll write ten to six or something but I always do a full day when I can I yeah. mean yeah you know you can't always yeah so, and you're, you're a mother as well so yeah yeah well he's, he's 19 now oh, okay uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, when when he was younger, for anyone who writes or wants to write and they've got children, it is really difficult. I just used to take him to school and then race home and work until I had to pick him up. And that was that's... it. I'm pretty sure that's what everyone does, but uh, <laughs> it's right, you know. Uh, but it's it's reassuring for, for writers that are mothers to hear that. And it's so exciting to hear that you've got so much coming up because I'm already excited for more of your work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I tell you, there's a big pressure for book two that I didn't realise what it would feel like. And mm-hmm. I'm really pleased I have draft one. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very pressured. Yeah different because the first book with this book I was just writing it like it doesn't matter just keep writing it see what happens you know and then maybe we'll try and get it published but it's okay just enjoy it it's not it's slightly different this time because I I have this feeling that your second book has actually got to be even better than your first it feels like that it feels like that I I have no doubt that your book your second book your third book your however many books are all going to be great because it's come from your brain so <laughs> hopefully well thank you I'll take no. that I'll take that and write it up on my, on my <laughs> yes please do yeah, yeah, yeah. but so. thank you so so much for for joining me today I have loved chatting to you and listeners, I am going to include a link to buy Hotel 21 in the show notes. Please do go and buy it and also keep an eye out for Senta's website so you can send her lots of lovely messages about her book. (laughs) And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe as it helps to boost us in the charts. And you can give us a follow at a pair of bookends pod on Instagram and at a pair of bookends on Twitter and TikTok. And that is all thank you so much for listening and Santa thank you once again for joining me this has been wonderful thank you so much really enjoyed it thanks Hannah